what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. I believe the only way to learn how to start a business is by starting a business. You can read about this stuff as much as you want. I tried it. I went to business school. Okay, welcome back to Meet Bridget. We are so excited to be kicking off season two with all of our favorite listeners and hopefully some new ones too. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Kashia Rosenberg, and together with my best friend and co-host, Asha Gabriel, we run a confidence and communication platform for teen girls called Bridget, and this is the season two opener of our second season. (laughs) It's a little redundant, but we're just, we're so thrilled. Yeah, and today we're so excited to take you a little bit behind the scenes. So we've noticed that so many people are curious about what it takes to make a podcast come together. And to be completely honest with you, we couldn't do it without some marvelous professional help. Kishia and I spent hours and hours learning to record, edit, and market our podcast, Uh, really got into the weeds and learned all the little nitty gritties. But the hardest lesson we learned in that was that it might not be sustainable for us to do all of that on our own and keep the podcast running. So today we're lifting the curtain while featuring another incredible female entrepreneur. Today, we invite you to pull up a chair or go for a walk or commute or whatever you like to do while you're listening and to meet our podcast manager and dear friend, Anna Clausen. Anna Clausen is an entrepreneur and digital nomad. She is the founder of the Podcast Babes and Digital Digital Nomad Stories podcast. In 2018, she finished her law degree and MBA, but she had no idea what she wanted to do for work. And she knew that she didn't want to spend 80 hours a week working at a corporate job. So she set off to travel the world and eventually created a business that she loves that provides such a valuable service to so many other budding and, you know, experienced female entrepreneurs looking to share what they know via this wonderful medium called podcasting. So Anna, welcome to Meet Bridget. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so stoked to be here. Very excited. So you are very familiar with our podcast format and how much we love delving into youth experiences. We want to jump right in um, and, you know, share a little bit with uh, our listeners about who you are, where you come from, because we actually work, you know, internationally with you, which is very very fun. You get to bring in this whole different sense of creativity and a different eye with all of your world experiences. So tell us a little bit about growing up, where you're from, and a little bit about you, especially you as a young girl. Yeah, sure. So um, I am from the Netherlands. I grew up in the Netherlands in the south of the country, not in Amsterdam. (laughs) Uh, There is actually more to the country, not that much, but... uh... (laughs) Um, so yeah, I grew up in the south of the Netherlands and um, I have two siblings. I have a sister and a brother. My brother is a year and a half younger than me and my sister is four years younger. And we were, I think, pretty tight as a family. We um, were a really close family. Yeah, I actually had a really happy childhood. 
Yeah. So how is the, um, cause I know all across Europe, sometimes like the schooling systems are a little bit different than the way we do them here in the U S like here we go to like preschool, kindergarten, and then, um, grades one through five are usually kind of in an elementary school and then either like a middle school and then high school is like middle school is like six through eight and then high school is like nine through 12. How does it kind of, um, work for children in the Netherlands? Like, yeah, what, what, what was like a day in the life of your, your childhood like? Did you live in the city or the country? Like, what was home life like? Yeah, so um, it's it's a little bit different. Like you said, we have kind of preschool, kindergarten, I don't know, maybe like both combined, <laughs> mm-hmm. where um, we usually go to school when we're about four years old. And then four to six, you're in this, I don't know, like toddler class, kind of preschool-ish there's just like the yeah what should I call it like ground school and then after that when you're 12 years old you go to high school and in high school you have um three different levels that they have uh so they're already putting you in a box there (laughs) uh so your teacher um tells you okay I think you should go to this level of high school oh so like ranking you kind of yeah depending on like your aptitude at that point Oh, that's so early at at 12 or already. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I think me telling this, you can probably already sense my opinion about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it is very interesting that there is a ranking in, in like what kind of high school you go to. So yeah, I went to the highest ranking high school, <laughs> uh, which is apparently something to be proud of. I don't know. Um, but I was already all, I mean, I was always kind of like the smart girl. I was always reading a book and I was doing really well in school. I didn't really have to do much. And I was a little bit bored actually at school. I don't know. It was not, it was a little bit too easy. I didn't really feel challenged at all. Um, I remember when we were in the last grade before high school. So I was probably like 11 years old. uh, We finished our maths book for the year or whatever. And they just gave us a high school math book or from the high school curriculum. And we were just a few people, maybe like five kids. And they just put us in the hallway of the school. Just here you go. Why don't you just learn from this book? You figure that out. I think you're fine. (laughs) Good luck with this. (laughs) Um, So that's what we did for, uh, for day one. And then after day one, so on day one, we like worked like crazy, worked so hard. We did enough for probably the next two months. And then after that, we took our Game Boy to school. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think that's my childhood. That's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, that it's like, you know, some of these school systems just aren't really equipped to, you know, cater to all different students at their different levels and everything. And I, I feel like, I mean, we have different versions of that here, but like sometimes just kids just have to like, okay, like, this is how I'm going to do it, <laughs> you know, at my pace. And yeah, yeah. I mean, in in school, it's just, uh, this is the box you need to fit in. And now just good luck trying to do that. Like everyone had the same homework, the same uh, things they needed to learn in the same, I mean, and also in the same pace, like you said, just, it's all the same. Everyone should be the same. And there were like 33 kids in my class or something. So it's, it's a lot also for the teacher. I mean, they also cannot really give uh, kids that individual attention, of course. 
It's so interesting. I mean, some, there were some similar scenarios in grade school. I remember as schools got bigger, they would move to what we call track systems, where they would take existing classes and you'd been in, in grades with students you'd known for several years, and then they would split them up like they did it at the time by colors. So they'd have like a red track, a green track, a blue track, and then the schedules would shift. So you, from that point on, anyone that you knew that was in a different color track than you, you'd never really get to spend time with them anymore. So you had to adjust the way you interacted with your peers, make new friends. And in a way, it was almost like going to a different school altogether because you, I mean, you were just on a totally opposite schedule. When you made the switch um, from grammar school to being placed in a ranking and having to go off to a different school, did you find that you experienced something similar where you had to leave friends behind, make new friends? Like, what was that adjustment like for you? I actually found it really exciting to go to a new school. I was like, oh, there's so many new people to meet. And um, there were a lot of people from my class who also went to the same school uh, or to a school close by. So it was not really a problem. I didn't really, I mean, I had friends before high school, but not really like close, close friends, or at least not in my class. My close friends were more like the kids who lived in the neighborhood, but not necessarily in school. So for me, I was actually fine. I was like, oh, this is this is perfect because I get to learn more interesting things, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I was also hoping for a bit more of a challenge. During that time, did you think of yourself as like more outgoing or were you on the shyer side, did you have like a big group of friends or just a couple that you were more close to? I was pretty outgoing. I think more than I actually am. Uh, I was kind of like this kid with a big mouth and wanted to be friends with everyone. And I, I kind of was always at least like friendly with everyone. I think I still have that, that I can easily make friends and that I'm always I always feel feel like I can fit in wherever I am. So I see that as as a good thing, as um, kind of like a skill that I can always connect with people. I think that also relates a little bit back to the podcasting and like what all happened later. later. Um, but also in school, I had that like I had a friend group that were like my close friends and we were not really the popular kids, but kind of like in between all the other groups like we were we knew everyone <laughs> and we didn't really have like the popular kids all hated each other you know and we never had that we were always like just good with everyone that's not, I was gonna ask because you know in the states as I don't know you know what our reputation is like from the Netherlands but bullying is definitely a problem and I think now, especially with the advent of social media, there's so much pressure on kids to either know exactly who they are by the time they reach high school or have a niche that they fit into. I think when, you know, when I was growing up, that was like when Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and Britney Spears were all over the media. And so at that time, there was so much pressure to be, you know, everyone wanted to be super, super skinny. And those, I talk to women my age now, and it's really interesting how insidious those 
messages were at the time to young women. And I'm sure, you know, any, anyone at that age, because there's just pressure. So, and I assume with social media, there's more of the same, just in a different way. Did you find that you experienced anything like that growing up in the Netherlands, like even being in um, a high school where you had close mates that weren't, you know, and not that much bullying? Like, were there any social pressures or pressures from, you know, what you saw on TV or the internet? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's exactly like you said, everyone wanted to be super skinny and pretty. Uh, that was exactly the same where I grew up. Before high school, I, I was actually bullied by a girl in my class who um, for some reason decided that she hated me and she made everyone go against me, which was horrible. It was a horrible experience. And um, that that went on for a few years. I think that also had something to do with that I wanted to be friends with everyone in high school because it was kind of a fresh start. And I also felt like I kind of had to be in every friend groove or like knew what was going on because otherwise, like, what if they kick me out again? Then I'm on my own again. Yeah, so that was definitely a big thing in school for me. And yeah, exactly like you said, just that social pressure of, oh, you all had to be pretty and skinny and um, wear nice clothes and uh, like cool brands because otherwise it's it's stupid <laughs> looking back i think it's funny but then it was so important to me yeah yeah that might be the universal language of teenagers everywhere it's know. Just, how do i fit in with my you know, like a lot of high achievers especially in service industries or like talent um like a common thread that just kind of keeps itself going into their adulthood is being a people pleaser and really just like having that pressure from an early age to, you know, have everyone kind of be on their side and, and meet everybody's needs, you know, all at once, which is a lot of pressure, but you can see kind of the roots of it from the ways our, our school systems are set up. And then all of these kind of other social pressures that we, we face as we're, we're teenagers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah. So then there's definitely like a, a positive side to it too, because, you know, in your business now, it does take a certain element of being a, a people pleaser because you're adaptable to the different, you know, clients you bring on, you, you bring a lot to the table. Did you know when you were younger, like, did you have any feelings about the kind of career that you would want to pursue? Like, did you know that, okay, I need to do something that's more flexible? Like how early did you start feeling like, oh, I need to go in something like this direction? Yeah, when I was really little, I remember that I was writing a book. <laughs> I had this little notebook and I would just sit at the corner and write a book. That was that is like the first memory that I have about something uh, career related. Um, so yeah, that was definitely something that was interesting to me. I also read a lot of books, like books were really my thing. Then I decided, okay, I want to be a journalist. <laughs> and that was my plan for a few years. And then in high school, we had these uh, like uh, kind of like job fairs or like that people come to the high school and they tell about their the job that they have or their career. And there was also a journalist there and I was super excited. So I went there with my parents and it was the most boring guy ever. 
he worked at the newspaper and just what he told us about his job I was like no thanks <laughs> I don't want to do <laughs> it was that bad example it was it was so boring and also back then there was no blogs I'm that old there were no blogs um so um it was really writing for a newspaper or for a really cool magazine and I was like well of course I want to re- write for a cool magazine then but it was really not that easy to do that and I was like I don't know I don't know it just sounded horrible like what this this uh, journalist in school told us I was like mm, maybe something related but different so I was like mm, I like writing I like reading I can also write and read about a specific topic so then I looked into law school that's yeah, sounded interesting to me. I also liked having discussions with people. I liked uh, telling people my opinion. <laughs> I like having my own opinion. Um, so I was like, yeah, I think law school sounds like something for me. So then my plan was to become a lawyer. And that has been my plan until I was 23 or 24 and I actually graduated law school I have my master's in company law and then at the very end I was like I actually don't think this is for me (laughs) you're still just trying to find your your niche did you have anyone through those years that was significant in like guiding you like were you very close to your parents or did you have like a grandparent or a mentor or somebody that provided if not a guiding light then like an example or somebody that you looked up to um I am really close to my parents but they are very they have a very traditional view on um work ethos and career and uh going to college and stuff like that so my dad always says and also used to say um yeah you just work hard and then you make a lot of money like if you work harder you make more money that was just how it works for him and you go to college because then you can get a good job um (laughs) so that's what what um, my parents told me and also like you you should go to college because you can um that was also like oh you're smart enough so you go to college like it's not really a question but it's just something you do right if the opportunity is there then that's what you do Um, so that's also what I did, uh, when I finished high school, I just went straight to college, went to law school. I also, um, at the same time did business school. Um, they had a special track where you can do both at the same time, which is usually not possible, but they gave you a few, um, courses that you didn't have to take because it overlapped. And they also made sure that you don't have the lectures at the same time. So it was not at that much support honestly but like it was it was possible so I was like okay I'll just do that because at the last moment before going to law school I started doubting myself and my decision to do so so I was like oh or business also sounds good (laughs) so then I was like okay I'll just do both and then I can see what I like and maybe I continue with one but in the end I did both so my parents were really just like okay you just study hard and then you get a job um but i think what made that idea change was actually podcasts uh listening to podcasts do you remember like the first podcast you ever heard oh i don't really know the first but there is one that has 
made a huge impact on my life that has literally changed my life because when I was in college I remember taking walks in the park close to my house and I would listen to podcasts and one of the podcasts was uh, called it is called uh, Zero to Travel and it's uh, about full-time travel long-term travel also digital nomad life um, just all different travel stories from people who are doing that long term that just opened a whole new world for me I was like what this is a thing that people do um and just like hearing so many people doing that I was like this sounds like it's actually possible (laughs) yeah this is actually a perfect segue too because after you graduated with your law degree and your MBA I've I feel like that's when you sort of hit that point where you were like, okay, what do I do now? And there's a recurring theme that I'm hearing in your life of like, like with the friend groups, like spreading yourself out so that you have like plan B, C, and D, which I love because I think Asha and I can both really relate to that. So like law school, but like also an MBA just in case. And then like, (laughs) want to keep my options open. (laughs) So tell us like, what was the like aha moment of like, okay, so you find podcasts, you you find out about digital nomad life, which I'd love for you to tell us more for those who don't know what that is. But like, you didn't end up staying in the Netherlands from what I understand, right? You kind of went on a little journey yeah yes exactly um so i decided at the probably last year of my um college education that i didn't want to be a lawyer and i actually had the dream job lined up um i i did a business course at a law firm a two-day business course and they actually offered me an internship which would then um turn into a job Um, So that was the dream. I was like, okay, cool. This is perfect. This is what I want to do. And um, then just writing my thesis and all that, I was like, I just don't see myself doing this. But I also didn't know what the alternative was exactly. So I was, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. And that was kind of like for the first time, it felt like for the first time in my life, I didn't have a plan because before I was like, okay, I'm going to be a journalist. Oh no, I'm going to be a lawyer. But I always had a plan and I worked really hard and really long towards becoming a lawyer. Um, but so just letting go of this idea was like falling into a hole. I was like, okay, so what, what am I now? Like, who am I? Like, what is my identity? I don't know. When you decided to go to law school, did you, had you like met a lawyer or um, was it just like you you heard about law school? How did you kind of, um, because we really focus on visibility and, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, we meet someone that's in a profession and then it's like, okay, that's why what I'm going to do just because you can kind of see something of yourself in another person. Did you have any kind of people where it's like, oh, there's a lawyer and that made me want to go to law school or it made me realize I don't want to be a lawyer? So going to law school, it was more that I wanted to read and write and learn more, like dive into a specific topic. And that really excited me. But then deciding I didn't want to be a lawyer was being in law school for six years. And just the whole vibe there was not necessarily my vibe. And I realized that really late probably (laughs) I just adapted and I was like okay cool this is me now um but at the end I started to realize that it is not me I just adapted to this environment in law school they literally also like in our first lecture they say 
if you feel like you have any creativity in your body right now, at the end of law school, you will have zero left. Yeah, <laughs> super That's terrible. Sad. And you said it's six years. Um, yeah, usually it's uh, it's four years, but I did an extra year, and then I also did business. So and I studied for six years in total. Um, so yeah, five years of that. Those vibes. <laughs> and is that so? Is that in addition to college, or is that like is it like college plus your graduate degree is is like six years, or is it you do college you did college and then you had it's it's bachelor's and master. So I have uh, I did. But for both bachelor's and master's. So I also have my master's in, in business and also in law. So I had uh, five years of doing it both at the same time that I finished law. And then the sixth year was just business. Yeah, so that was intense. And just being being there around ar around a lot of law students, but also lawyers and professors and just this whole industry. I didn't like a lot of things about the industry. Like you really start at the bottom as an intern, you just make the copies. <laughs> I also did two internships at law, law firms and um, I didn't like it. <laughs> I thought it was actually really boring. And I did, I interned at a big law firm and at a small law firm and both were not really as exciting as I hoped. I was like, okay, this is gonna be cool because I'm gonna meet clients and go to court and all that. But it was actually not, bringing me any joy <laughs> well I think when you go to, to a company where it's very um, linear you know you, you go in as an intern and you climb the ladder it's like if you can't see yourself at that top of that ladder like looking at the partner in the firm or the CEO of the company and being like oh I, I want to be that that's where I want to go it's very hard to keep climbing that ladder yeah exactly yeah so I was like I, I don't really know um, if this will get better at one point, it was more like, okay, this is just what I do. This is what I decided. So it's just what I'm going to do. And then I was like, no, that's not enough. So then I um, yeah, decided definitely not uh, a lawyer. I looked into more like the business side of the things that I studied. So I have my master's in, um, in uh, strat strategic management. Uh, so I was looking into basically sitting at the same table, but on the other side with all the strategy consultants. So I also actually applied for a few jobs and went to a few interviews. And then I was like, I, I don't know about this. <laughs> so I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I was planning to go traveling between college and my first uh, job anyways. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to travel now and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Um, so I just uh, saved a bit of money, not even that much. And I just went, I traveled Southeast Asia, did the backpacking thing that so many millennials do. And I went to Australia for a working holiday. So I could also work there. And I had some very interesting jobs there in hospitality. I worked at a strawberry farm. Yeah, so that was also a point that I was like, okay, this is cool, but also not sustainable. <laughs> Yeah. What was your favorite odd job that you held? I think at the strawberry farm, that was really a once in a lifetime experience. Also because I'm never going back there, but also it was actually, especially at the start, it was not as bad as I thought. I actually liked being outside so much and just, yeah, I don't know, just working with my hands. I was just listening to music or podcasts and 
it was actually not bad. And then I did that for like four months. Uh, so the first three months, it was all good. And then the fourth month, I was just driving myself crazy because I spent too much time with strawberries and not with people. <laughs> totally. Well, it's so interesting where it's like you go from law school where it's so it's so heady, such like a philosophical and logical, you know, you're in your mind all day and then to go traveling and everything is very tangible and physical and something like strawberry farming where it's like of the earth, you know, you plant the seed and they get the water and the sun and it grows and um, kind of such a such a different experience. So you're traveling and listening to your podcasts and feeling inspired. At what point were you like, okay, what's my next move from from that like kind of more nomadic lifestyle? So I, I already knew about digital nomad life and I was like, oh, that maybe I'll do that at some point in, in my life, right? Um, but first I'll just get the job, I pay off the student loan and all that. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe sometime, someday I will do that. Um, but when I was on the, on, on the strawberry farm, I just realized that I had nothing to lose. So if I'm going to take a big leap like that, then it's probably now, now is probably the best time. I think now is actually always the best time, but especially in my case, I didn't have a house. I didn't have a, a significant other. I didn't have kids. I didn't even have a job. So there was literally nothing that I could lose. So I was like, yeah, um, let's just try it and see how it goes. And I can always go back and find a, the job if I have to. I love that because for so many people, myself included, it's sometimes if you get in your head too much, you get to a place where you're like, oh, well, maybe instead of just like taking the leap, like I'm going to hold off because, you know, X, Y, and Z reasons. Like you make up all these things in your head of why it's not the right time. And then in retrospect, you look back and you're like, oh, I could have done it. Like exactly like you said like you don't have a house you don't have kids like there are very few things that actually really tie you down to the point where you can't just start over so i love that you are the type of person that's able to like talk yourself through these things and conquer those those fears and those mental roadblocks to get to where you need to be so you go on these travels you're in australia at some point, you come back home to the Netherlands. What's next for Anna Klassen? Well, I actually didn't go back. Oh, the main reason why I uh, started my business is because I wanted to keep traveling and I didn't want to go home. So I um, started a course to become a VA, a virtual assistant, because I was like, OK, I'm just going to find a way to make money online so that I can keep traveling. And I did the course while still at the strawberry farm. It was the end of the season, so I had some more free time. So I just uh, took my laptop and just did the course there because it was online anyway. So that was actually really cool. In that course, there was a lot. They had a bunch of different modules. Uh, it was blogging, social media management, and also one module was podcast management. So uh, yeah, I did the whole course, but the one module that stood out to me, of course, was podcast management. Just learning that people do that for a living and they help podcasters behind the scenes. Um, it was just so interesting to me because I was already so obsessed with podcasts. Uh, so I was like, well, that that sounds like the perfect thing for me. Just And the idea was just like, okay, I just need to work with clients to 
earn money so that I can just sustain myself while traveling. So that was just how it started. Um, so I, it really started small. I really started just with finding my first client, uh, which was already a, a huge journey. Um, I decided to go to Southeast Asia again, where I was already traveling before, because it's much, much more affordable to live there than in Australia. So I decided to go to Bali and that's where I tried to find my first client. <laughs> how was that? So how, how did you start looking? Like, how did you market yourself? Um, and especially because I think one of the most intimidating things about starting something is like, well, what do I sell myself on? Like, how do I convince people that I can do this? So how did you kind of approach being like, all right, like this is how I'm going to sell my services, even though I haven't done them yet? <laughs> it was so hard. It was Oh, the most difficult thing I did, I think. Finding this first client, it took me a good maybe two months. And I also had some bad experiences where people, where one person said, okay, yeah, I'm going to hire you. Two days later, she said, oh, I actually found another solution. And I was heartbroken. I was like, oh, you were going to be my first client. <laughs> when it's so hard when you're trying, it, like when you're get, trying to get something started, any little kind of like, shutdowns like that it's it would be so easy to be like okay I shouldn't do this like this is the confirmation that I shouldn't do this but what kind of just um what did work like what how did you keep going and what what clicked yeah um so I I definitely didn't do this the, uh the most efficient way at all <laughs> I didn't really market <laughs> as we tend to do when we're starting something oh yeah like, I learned oh, so much yes I learned so much since then like I just wanted a client right so I didn't really market myself I didn't really make it a business I didn't have a name and logos and colors and all that and I'm not saying that you necessarily need that when you're looking for your first client but I didn't have that until like a year in um, which meant that for me I was always looking for the next client and it was not really something that was sustainable that people would just find me and think, oh, it looks interesting. But I was always the one looking for the next one. So my first client I found in a Facebook group uh, with the course, there was also a Facebook group included where they would have job postings. And I applied for at least 50 job postings. <laughs> By the time I got like one interview and then it was a bad experience, but I had a few um applications that were kind of like well received but also like you you can probably imagine like so many people are taking this course and so many people are applying for these same job postings um so that was not easy from one person i got an email back like hey i love your application i actually picked someone else but i told my friend about you and she reached out to me and we set up a call and she actually became my first client. So that was really interesting how that went. And yeah, then I don't even, I think it was also just uh, through Facebook groups that I got my second client and then eventually my third. And yeah, it um, has grown and also changed a lot since then. So the name of the game is Hustle because I feel like when you're starting anything out, it's so difficult. Like Asha said, you have to like convince people that you are the person for the job based on having a zero sum resume. But it happens. I mean, everyone has to get started somewhere. And so I think in the beginning, it's really just 
a numbers game and maybe a little bit of a head game of like telling yourself, got to keep going until I get the first one. And I love that your first one was like a, it was a no that turned into a yes. So it's almost that lesson of like, you never know where the first bite's going to come from. It could totally come from what you perceived as a failure in the beginning. So it's like just being consistent with like your vision and message, even when you're getting shut down, it's like that, that could be a door that you, you just didn't even perceive at, at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I think that just the power of networking and showing your own personality, I think that is how you get the first client or the first job or whatever, because there are so many people now I'm in, in, on the other side of this, I'm, I'm hiring for my business, right? So now I see all these applications and the last job posting I had, I had like, I don't know, like more than a hundred. So then you go through them and then you really see what, what people write and what works and what doesn't, because what I go for is someone who shows a personality. I'm like, oh, she sounds cool. I think I want to have a talk with her to see if she can help me. And it's not so much about what you, what you can do, especially when you start, especially working online, like people can teach you like podcast management. It's not that hard. Like I can teach probably anyone how to do what I do, but we need to vibe. I need to trust the person that I hire. So I think when you're looking for a first client, then that's how you do that to just show people that you're trustworthy, show people who you are, because that already builds trust. I think especially in this kind of partnership, you know, we interviewed several podcast managers when we decided we're like, okay, we need, we need this support. We need someone on our team that's an expert in these areas so we can focus on, you know, our messaging and our business. So we, you know, when we interviewed different people, a lot of people brought skill sets, you know, they knew how to do it. They knew you know, there's a certain number of steps on the back end where you could edit the podcast, you know, you piece it together, you get it into good format, um, and then you're submitting it to these, um, you know, distribution uh, platforms. Uh, there's uh, People knew the steps, but when we met with you, we really felt heard by you. You know, when we talked about our message and how important it is to um, have our listeners feel a part of our community and understand our brand, you clicked with that. And I think that that's kind of this intangible thing when you're offering a service, like it really does matter for people to really feel like they can, they're connecting with you and that they could trust you with, you know, their message, which in podcasting is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, also, we work closely together. Like every month we have a call to catch up, like, how are we doing? What's going on? Uh, we email back and forth a lot. So you have the opportunity as a business owner to have this relationship with someone you you think is cool and you yeah you just vibe with so then that's so important it just makes your life both of your lives easier i think as uh, when you have that client service provider relationship that's just that it just goes smooth and easy and that was definitely not how it was with my first clients but now i think way like with all the things I learned ever since in the last two years um I feel like that is definitely like such a difference and also um it makes yeah it makes working with my clients for me much easier but also for the client so I know um and you've talked about it because you have your own podcast where you talk about the art of podcasting the business of podcasting what everything that goes into making a good podcast it's called the podcast babes it's excellent and we listen to it all the time to get inspiration for our own podcast. 
Um, so obviously you have your own podcast, you offer services, management services um, to other podcasters. You also have an online course. So it sounds like obviously you started doing the services first. At what point did you start your own podcast? And at what point did you realize that creating a course would be um, a way to have a sustainable uh, income stream that would support the rest of the business? It was messy, I'll be honest. I'm not saying do this, like don't try this at home. Um. <laughs> but sometimes the creative process, not sometimes, I think the majority of the time, the creative process is very messy. And so I, before you dive into that, I just want to preface that with saying like, you are a, a powerhouse. So the mess behind the curtain is really essential to, yeah. It's so funny because you say that, but I mean, I would love for everyone to like, go look at, go look at Ann's website and what you perceive when you're coming to her and you've seen like, okay, there's SEO behind it. Like it pops up under search and you look at her website, it's organized. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Here are the steps to do. So, so what the product of that mess is this really, you know, thought through structured, clean uh, product. So it's like, that's the the trade-off, I guess, that, that, that the back end was messier than the, you know, the public might <laughs> Yeah, and that's a good thing for people to know that it's like even this polished, finished product, that doesn't mean that the process to get there was polished at all, and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I believe the only way to learn how to start a business is by starting a business. You can read about this stuff as much as you want. I tried it. I went to business school. I did all the things, and still, I had no idea. So you just have to go through this and I'll, I'll tell you my journey, but it's, it's different for everyone. So how I started is I started freelancing. So that just meant I looked for a client and I just did all the work and yeah, I just spent my days looking at a computer screen and I just worked for clients and I was just looking for like the next client. So it was not really any sense of marketing or sales. There was not much behind it. It was just me doing the podcast management tasks, which was not ideal <laughs> um, because I had a few cool clients, but also a few bad experiences with clients, um, which had completely everything to do with the way I marketed myself or like actually didn't market myself. Um, you just attract a specific kind of client that didn't necessarily work well. So what I had happen is I worked with one uh, big client, actually a really big Dutch podcaster. I was so stoked about that. Like I was like, this is the opportunity. And she was promising me so much work and I could work for friends and she would, I don't know, tell everyone my name. And yeah, the promises were all there. That was actually a nightmare looking back. Uh, at first, it was really interesting. I learned a lot, but she was also not really clear in how she uh, outsourced tasks. So she would say one thing, but then actually wanted me to do it a different thing. And she was really struggling to communicate that clearly. So for me, it was really difficult to do a good job because I wanted to do a good job so bad, but it was just not clear enough the way she hand me projects was just it was not clear enough so that was uh difficult and she would sometimes also get get angry because I didn't do things that she also didn't tell me to do so that was just really difficult for both of us and then um at the start of the pandemic so more than a year and a half ago already so her business was she did workshops 
and she couldn't do workshops because lockdowns and everything. Uh, so her business, uh, she actually had an online course, but she decided to give, give it away for free. And she told me, okay, well, my business took a big hit because of the pandemic. So I want you to narrow down your workload uh, because I cannot pay you. And I was like, okay, well, I understand. I try to be flexible. I'm willing to do this, like cut my out. Also, I worked by the hour for her, which I don't do anymore now. I work now project-based, project but then I work by the hour. So I said, okay, um, I will just cut my retainer a little bit and um, I'm willing to be flexible here to help you out, of course. So, okay, I did that and I, I also said, well, this is temporary, right? Yeah, temporary. And then a month later, she would, um, like literally one day before the new month, she said, okay, so I found another editor and he worked for radio, so I want him to take over editing. So I have a deal for you. You can write the show notes and this amount of money is what I'm going to pay you. Um, and I hope you will consider because otherwise I have to look for another solution. And <laughs> I uh, was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Like it, it, it was like less than half than our original agreement. And also I had like 30 day cancellation policy or something in, in our contract. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like I cannot do this. I cannot. Uh, sustain myself with this amount of money that I will have left over. I don't have any new leads lined up for new clients. So I was like freaking out. So I said, well, I'm I'm really sorry, but this is not, uh, this, this doesn't work for me. I really enjoy editing also. So I actually don't want to take this deal. So I understand if that means that you want to look for another person, but I just want to point out that in our contract, it says we have 30 days together. So I would love to send you the next invoice and then 30 days from now I can just offboard you and I can just hand all the tasks over to the new person no problem and at first she was fine but then I sent her the invoice and she said oh but it's too many hours I said well no because it was temporary right the pandemic like pandemic hours so I just obviously sent her an invoice for the full retainer that we had and she was like, yeah, but I, I cannot pay this. And there's a pandemic and the world is ending. And all. Uh, she was like yelling at me on the phone and she was so angry. So long story short, she decided to not pay me at all. It was for the month ahead, though. I always charge up front. That was like lesson one in freelancing, always charge up front. But that also meant that one day to the next, half my income was gone. And I was in Bali. <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> how am I going to eat, especially like not necessarily tomorrow, but how I'm going to eat next week. So that was definitely a problem. And this situation really made me realize that the way that I was doing business or at least freelancing on on this level was just not going to cut it. I was also undercharging. Looking back, I was I was definitely undercharging. Um, so it was not sustainable for me to. Uh, run my business that way so I decided to make a big change and to also start offering all that knowledge and experience that I had gained in a year of working for different podcasters I also definitely knew that that was super valuable for other podcasters because we can all learn from each other from our mistakes from the way the things that did work or didn't work so I also decided to share more of that I also didn't do that in a very strategic way, to be honest. Um, so I 
fired most of my clients or they fired me. It was like kind of at the same time. It was this really weird start of the pandemic time. Um, so actually a few clients, they stopped the contract, uh, canceled the contract. And then a few other clients, I said, well, I think this is not really working out. Um, and I switched things around. I started offering more podcast strategy, podcast growth strategy, and slowly niche down into podcast monetization, which is what I do now. So I started a mastermind, which actually didn't go like the launch didn't go as well as I hoped. So I also want to just share this, that only one person signed up, which sucks. That's not why you do all that work. So uh, that also definitely happened. The start of, of like this huge pivot that I made in my business was really not easy. I changed the business name to the Podcast Babes. I had new branding, new website, new colors, everything, which was really exciting. But I also underestimated how long it took people to get used to that and how I had to kind of start over with marketing. And so it was a really big change and not only for me, but also for people that I had in my audience. Like by now I had a small Instagram account and all that. And also with this huge pivot, I also decided that now is the time to start my own podcast, finally. <laughs> um, and I didn't do that earlier because I just felt like it had to be really good because it's what I do, right? Like I cannot just have this massive podcast. I need, I need a microphone and I need to, I don't know, think about the content that I put out. I need to do all the bells and whistles because Otherwise, people will be like, well, how is this your podcast when you're a podcast manager? So um, I made this a huge thing in my head. Eventually, it, I'm so happy that I started it. Um, it's also already more than a year ago that I started a podcast. So time has been flying. But yeah, that's that's a little bit of like the the origin story of the podcast, babes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it is so meaningful to like, I love listening to your podcast because it, it shows us that you really understand, you know, the other side of it too, that, you know, when you're hiring someone for a service, it's like, okay, she's, but she's, she has her own podcast. Like she's been through this from our perspective as well. Um, I, I think that that's really meaningful to people. I also, I think it's worth mentioning that, especially in podcasting or I think any kind of, um, I mean, I think this is true in a lot of jobs in social media, um, media in general. These days, it's like you don't have to be as like perfectly polished and edited and filtered and stuff that like people have realized in voice that it's like they want authenticity. That's what matters. And it's like, okay, if you have a nice logo and everything looks pol like that's great, you know, it looks polished and I guess it's easier to to attract more people to follow you or whatever. But um, that that what really matters is like, OK, what's the clarity of your voice and your message and your your commitment to your audience? The content has and the meat of it has to be meaningful, which I think you've done such a beautiful job of. I don't want to necessarily use the word packaging, but just bringing everything that you've learned to the table in a very clear and concise way. And so it's such a pleasure to listen to your episodes because you have these gems like, and even listening to you now, it's like freelancing, charge up front. Like, you know, the process is messy. Yes. 
Yeah, I know. I like I wrote down these little lessons. Maybe I'll just um, read them here uh, that I've just been like taking notes as we have this episode. Um, but it's like the creative process is usually always messy in the beginning to get to any kind of product. Uh, the best way to start a business is to just start a business. <laughs> I, I think that it's interesting too that your law background, you look back at that and it's like, okay, I spent six years in this and then I realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. But look how you know, when you're defending yourself and realizing like, okay, how can I make my business more, more professional and sustainable? Your law background clearly helped you because it's like, get everything in writing and stand up for your value and your worth. And when someone is like trying to not be ethical in business dealings, you're like, you call it out and you're like, no, we actually, we signed this contract and this is how it works. (laughs) So get everything in writing. Don't undercharge for your services. Always charge up front as a freelancer. Great piece of knowledge and then and then also to offer the knowledge that you've gained in learning something new um, to others behind you and that there's extra value creation in in that as a service so there's some, some of the notes i've been taking i'm like oh you're just so good and so so relatable i feel like we can talk to you forever and sometimes <laughs> i feel like we do and we're just like <laughs> giving you we're like should we do this they're like what do you think about this and just really having you part of our team is just such a such a delight. I like I love having our community, especially overseas. You know, it's um it's so fun. But I guess we should kind of pivot and try to wrap up with some um, fast five questions, which I know you're familiar with. Um, so I'll start with the first. Um, if you could say one way, what is the best way that a podcaster can create a sustainable business? If it's one way, I would say sell your own products or services especially courses or ebooks, anything like that works really well. It's the easiest way to, and also also the most profitable way. Love that. Okay. Success doesn't happen in a vacuum, as we all know. So what are maybe one or two specific ways that you maintain relationships and establish connections with people? I feel like um, that's still a work in progress. I'm not the best at like keeping in touch with people like friends and family and all that. Um, I think in business, I automate things. So for example, I ask my clients every month if they want to jump on a call with me to catch up and see what's going on. I automated that process recently. And it's great because I can never forget to send that email out. In business, just make it easy for yourself and automate. What do you use? What's like your program to, to automate something like that? Active campaign. We all have days, you know, when we're just in a funk. Do you have a go-to activity to snap yourself out of just feeling yuck? I always go on a walk. It helps so so much, uh, especially going in, in the park or in a forest, maybe listening to a podcast. But if I'm really in a funk, then I will just have like total silence and yeah, hope that the sun shines because that always has a really positive impact on my mood. Okay. Do you have a morning or night routine that you do every day that fills you up? Mm, yeah, I actually uh, recently started journaling. Um, I also have the whole habit tracker on my phone because I was like, this time I'm going to do this for real. And I have been journaling every day, uh, um, usually in the morning, for 35 days now. Oh, wow. Yeah, it has been great. I knew I know that everyone is always talking about journaling and that it's so impactful. And I definitely see that. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty proud of that little habit that I have now. <laughs> Consistency is so key. 
And then finally, if you could pick a hype song or theme song to your life, what would it be? Oh my, that's so difficult. Um, I, it's probably a Beyonce song. Well, Anna, you are such a joy to know and to work with, and you are certainly inspiring to Asha and I. We have learned so much from you. We love your communication style, which is incredibly open and transparent. And I mean, I've just learned so much even this this morning from, you know, getting to dive in and chat with you a little bit more about your creative process and and hear about the way that you think and formulate your ideas and and processes. And, you know, for anyone who has not listened to your podcast, please head over to Apple or Spotify, listen to the Podcast Babes podcast. There's so many gems in there. And, you know, check out Anna's website. We will link everything in our show notes, but you are just a wealth of knowledge and experience and your personality shines through in everything you do. So thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Thank you so much, Kashia. Yeah, we we adore you. And um, we, I'm like already looking forward to our next strategy call and always um, giving you feedback and everything. So, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for kicking off our interviews for season two and we'll talk to you again soon and that's our show if you liked what you heard today please like subscribe to follow and share meet bridget with your circle the best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast we're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you catch you next time did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?